How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for wellness-minded people and professionals who are passionate about transforming our broken disease management system. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, and I passionately believe that all diseases can be prevented or reversed, and I'm dedicated to empowering millions of people to go from disease and dysfunction to living their healthiest life possible. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's discussed a lot in summits and on podcasts and in blogs and on social media. If you're working with people who are suffering with migraines or they get stuffy and red after they eat, they have hives after certain foods, they don't tolerate fermented foods very well, then listen up because this episode is for you. It'll support you in helping people with histamine intolerance, those difficult to manage cases where histamine intolerance and mast cell activation get you chasing around and trying to help figure out the root cause. So let's talk about whether histamine intolerance is caused by genetics or something else or a combination of all of the above. Are histamine foods, high histamine foods, inherently bad foods? Are you and your clients doomed to suffer as a result of genetic predisposition to histamine intolerance? Histamine is a chemical and it's produced from the amino acid histidine and it's released by the immune system as it tries to get rid of something it perceives as a foreign invader, as dangerous. It also plays a role in regulating other things like the sleep-wake cycle, circadian rhythm, and cognitive function. So what is histamine intolerance? Histamine intolerance is intolerance to histamines in the body. The histamines in the body cause you to suffer, to have excess symptoms, and affect all the other systems in the body. The leading causes of histamine intolerance are not enough of the enzyme that breaks down histamine once it's produced. You'll see as we go through this that there are a lot of places where histamine is very necessary, very needed, and very desirable. But we need to have the ability to break it down once it's produced and it does its job. The enzymes that are needed to break down histamine, which may not be plentiful enough in people with histamine intolerance, are DAO, diamine oxidase, and HMNT, histamine methyl transferase. We can also have too much histamine that's produced. So one thing, yeah, we may not be able to break down the histamine, but the other is maybe the person you're working with just produces too much histamine. So what causes us to produce more histamine than needed? Well, imbalance in gut microbes. And guess what? We see that all the time, don't we? Also, leaky gut and mast cells that degranulate, that break down too easily, that release their histamine too quickly, and also chronic exposure to allergens or dangerous chemicals. So let's talk more about intolerance, some of the genetics, and some of the things that you as a practitioner can do to support your person, your patient, your client 
in overcoming some of the histamine intolerance and being more comfortable, not having so much stuffy nose, runny nose, runny eyes, migraines, and other symptoms. Intolerance occurs when the amount of histamine in the body overwhelms the ability to break it down. That makes sense, doesn't it? And genetic variants can affect the capacity to break down histamine. So when you understand which variants your client has, it can help you to target the right diet and the right supplementation to help them manage their symptoms. There are two ways the body breaks it down. As I said, the diamine oxidase and the HMNT, histamine methyltransferase. So histamines from the foods or the bacteria in your gut is broken down and metabolized using DAO. The DAO enzyme is produced in the lining of the small intestine and it's released to metabolize and mobilize the histamine. The HMNT enzyme works all throughout the body, including the brain, to deactivate or break down histamine created by the cells. Okay, so when these guys get out of balance and they're not breaking down the histamine, that's when the symptoms occur. DAO is encoded by a gene called AOC1. It's mainly produced in the intestines to counteract histamine from foods, but also histamine produced by the intestinal microbes. Foods that contain a lot of histamine include aged cheeses, aged meats, fermented foods, and a whole lot more. In addition to the aged cheeses and meats and fermented foods, there are other foods that are containing more histamines that may need to be eliminated or reduced, and those include some of the fruits, but also leftovers. As the food sits in the refrigerator, after it's been cooked or processed in some way, it sits and we get histamine production. So people with histamine intolerance need to be super careful about eating leftovers. So some of the bacteria, and some of these come from the foods and from the fermented foods we eat, from the bacteria, from probiotics even, can increase histamine levels in the body. And when we look at people who have histamine intolerance, they generally have elevated levels of zonulin, which is a regulator of the tight junctions between the cells in the intestine. And that will cause some of these histamines, some of these bacteria to get into the bloodstream. A recent study of people with histamine intolerance showed that they had a significantly higher amount of histamine-secreting bacteria. The other function of the DAO enzyme is to break down other what's called biogenic amines. These include tyramine, putrescine, cadaverine, spermidine, and spermine. These are harmful nitrogenous substances produced mainly by bacteria, and they can break down certain amino acids in certain foods. High levels of these biogenic amines can reduce the ability of DAO to break down histamine because the DAO works on those in preference to breaking down the histamine. So these are things we have to look for as well. DAO degrades the histamine into a chemical called imidazole acetaldehyde which is then quickly oxidized into imidazole acetic acid. You may recognize those names, acid aldehyde, acetic acid. That's a chemical that breaks down alcohol in the body, in the liver, and it usually breaks it down into acetic acid. Not enough histamine is rare. People ask, well, what happens if I don't make enough histamine? Basically, without that, 
Some animal studies have shown that we can get Tourette-like symptoms, tics and uncontrollable movements of the head and uncontrollable words that come out of the mouth. So what happens if we have too much histamine? We can have problems with the heart. Histamine is essential to the way the heart functions, and too much here can be detrimental. And people with chronic heart failure have higher than average levels of histamine. In fact, a genetic variant in the HDC gene that reduces histamine levels is significantly linked to reduced risk of cardiovascular function. So in other words, if we have enough of this enzyme to break down the histamine levels, we have reduced cardiac problems. If we have too much histamine and not enough of that, we can have increased cardiac So there's several different types of receptors for histamine. One of them is called the H2 receptor, and that's in the heart. Clinical trials show that if we block the H2 receptors in the heart, then we have cardiac symptoms. We have problems with the way the ventricles and the auricles contract and relax to pump the blood from the heart. As early as 1913, which is a long time ago, right? Over, well over 100 years ago, histamine was shown to induce heart arrhythmias. Antihistamine, things that break down histamine, would help with heart arrhythmias. The HDC gene codes for histidine decarboxylase, an enzyme that catalyzes the reaction of histidine, an amino acid, into histamine. It does it in various kinds of cells, including mast cells. And we think about mast cells as these cells that contain a lot of histamine. And when we're exposed to something, the body says, uh-oh, that's not good. These mast cells burst open and release their histamine. Some of the actions that histamine causes are increased allergy symptoms. Well, you've heard of that plenty of times, right? A lot of the people you see are probably on antihistamine medications to control their allergy symptoms. But, you know, it's a misnomer to think that antihistamine medications actually reduce the amount of histamine in the body. They just block it temporarily. And as soon as you stop taking those medications, the symptoms come back. So if you have folks who have been on antihistamines for many years, it's really helpful if you can learn to get them off of that. And we'll talk about some of the ways that you can supplement them and foods that they can eat to try to reduce their histamine load so they can get off those medications because it builds a dependency and it doesn't really solve the problem. Histamine causes allergic reaction. It acts within the immune defense system, dilates blood vessels, and it acts as a neurotransmitter, signals from nerve to nerve via neurotransmitters. So let's talk about some of the areas in the body that histamine affects. Well, if it affects the head, we end up with headaches and migraines. So how many of the people you see have migraines that might be histamine-induced? Mood, the anxiety, irritability, brain fog can be caused by high levels of histamine. In the stomach, it can cause acid reflux. And if you've ever heard of acid blockers. There's H2 blockers. Those are histamine receptors in the gut, in the stomach that release the histamine. And that's part of acid reflux. Nausea and even stomach pain can be produced. In the intestines, high levels of histamine can cause bloating, diarrhea, and even constipation. So that alternating diarrhea and constipation that we associate with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. In the heart, As we said, it can cause arrhythmia, but also dizziness, like lack of 
proper circulation and blood supply up to the brain. Sinuses, it can cause drainage and congestion. and That runny, weepy eyes and nose that we associate with histamine reactions when there's allergy season is happening. In the skin, it could cause hives, right? We associate that with a histamine response. And people who get hives from certain foods, they reach for the antihistamines to block those and bring them down. It also can cause flushing and itching. And if it affects sleep, it can cause insomnia and early waking. I've worked with patients who this is a problem with. They have migraines, they have all the sinus symptoms, they get rashes when they eat certain foods, and they have difficulty with staying asleep. People with histamine intolerance often have several of these, not necessarily all of the symptoms, but if you're talking to someone and you're hearing a lot of these symptoms, you may want to think histamine intolerance because here's the deal. It's an, a mimicker. It's a mimicker that often gets overlooked for a very long time until someone sees, guess what? A functional practitioner who's educated about histamine. This person might be on headache medication acid blockers. They may be beyond something to help with their arrhythmias. And meanwhile, it's histamine and getting the histamine levels under control makes a huge difference. When we talk about genetics, there's the AOC, which is the one that controls the diamine oxidase. There's also HMNT and there's a gene, a genetic SNP in the HMNT will have the person not producing enough of that enzyme to break down the histamine. Also, decreased activity of MTHFR. I mean, you know, that's like the popular gene, right? That's one that everybody knows about. But low levels, because it affects the levels of folate in the body, can end up causing histamine symptoms. So don't rule out nutrient imbalances and, of course, the allergic responses. But we need to be looking at how do we get these symptoms under control, even if it is genetic. It seems kind of weird, right, that histamine can cause allergies, it can cause headaches, it can cause acid reflux, and it can cause arrhythmias. That all lies in the types of histamine receptors. There's four types we're going to talk about. There's the H1 receptor, and those are found in smooth muscle, the muscles that are inside the organs in the viscera, and those can be in the endothelium, and it can be in the lining of the blood vessels. When we activate the H1 receptors, that can cause symptoms like itching and swelling and vasodilation, nose running, allergic reactions, but asthma reactions because of its effect on those linings. H2 receptors are usually in the stomach lining, and acid is released when the histamines activate the H2 receptors. So it's found in the stomach, so we get too much acid produced. The H2 receptors, when stimulated by histamine, will produce acid. So these can be in the stomach, the lining of the stomach, and produce too much stomach acid, which could cause burning and reflux, but also in the intestinal tract and also in the walls of the blood vessels. When H2 receptors can also be activated in the heart, and that can cause arrhythmia and problems with the natural sinus rhythm of the heart. The H2 receptors can also be found in the mast cells, and the mast cells are they, they degranulate, they explode basically and release their histamine. H3 receptors are in the central and peripheral nervous systems, and they act as feedback loop for histamine levels in the brain. When we activate those, it impacts serotonin and norepinephrine and acetylcholine, which can affect mood, which can affect that agitation that we get with too much epinephrine 
but also like the depression and anxiety that occurs when there's not enough serotonin. And the H4 receptors are in the core of inflammatory response. Those are the ones found in bone marrow, in basophils, which of course are a white blood cell that's involved with allergy reactions and also parasite reactions. Also in the thymus, which is important for the immune system, in the small intestine, the spleen, and in the mast cells. So these are the four types of histamine receptors. And the ones that are typically found in the intestines would be H1, H2, and H4. And a study showed that people with food allergies and IBS had significantly higher levels of H1 and H2 receptors in their intestines. So they're much more sensitive to the histamines that are found in the foods and also released by the immune system when it feels danger coming on. So we mentioned the mast cells and that they burst, they degranulate and release their histamines. So a lot of these are found in the lungs, in the bronchial tree. So that's why we see a lot of allergic lung type reactions. When people have histamine reactions, we see asthmatic type reactions. So what do you do? So you have a person and they're telling you that they have all these symptoms and you're thinking, huh, histamine. And then you look into it and they're eating a fairly high number of histamines in their diet. They get activated whenever the allergy season rolls around. They're worse. So what are you going to do? How are you going to help them? So let's talk first about some supplements and then we'll talk about some foods. So there's certain nutrients that are important to help modulate and regulate histamine production. Vitamin B6, especially in the form of P5P, pyridoxal 5-phosphate, is a cofactor in the reactions that degrade the histamine. So if a person is low in vitamin B6 or has specific SNPs, genetic SNPs, that make it so that the B6 is needed in higher amounts or it's not activated properly or the receptors aren't working properly, they're going to need more B6 because they're going to be much more prone to histamine type reactions because they can't break down the DAO and the HMNT. Quercetin, we see that a lot. Quercetin combined with vitamin C have been shown to inhibit the mast cells from bursting and degranulating. And, you know, that's an important piece. And oftentimes when I work with people with histamine reactions to food, I'll have them take 500 milligrams or more of C and 500 milligrams or more of quercetin with every meal, about 20 minutes before the meal, to offset some of that histamine reaction to break down some of those histamines. Also, you know, just overall taking those nutrients in can help support and bring down the allergic reactions, the histamine type reactions. There's another natural flavanol called fisetin, and it's been shown in studies to help to inhibit mast cells from being released or degranulating. Luteolin has been found in studies to inhibit histamine release from the mast cells. So you see some of these help in the breakdown and some of these reduce the release. This is much better than taking an antihistamine, which just blocks the effect. And once you stop taking it, the effect is in action. So you have to keep, keep, keep taking it. There are also some companies that make DAO supplements. Be careful about DAO supplements because some of them have a lot of junky ingredients in them. A lot of them have talc. I don't know about you, but I don't want to recommend my clients and patients take something with talc, which has known carcinogenic effects. But um, uh, Seeking Help, and I don't know if anybody else has it, but Seeking Help has a DAO supplement that you can take that will break down the, the DAO. You know, it's the actual enzyme that will break down 
uh, and help that histamines degrade. And that one is a, a helpful one to be able to take. Here's a fun one, pea shoots. You can get people to eat pea shoots in their young form when they're nice and short. And um, they come up in the spring, but you can also grow them as sprouts in the house. And they are naturally high in DAO. Who wouldn't have known, right? So get people to add them to salads, right? Add them to smoothies. It's a great addition. So let's look at gluten sensitivity and histamine intolerance. There was a new study that looked at the correlation between histamine and gluten intolerance and concluded that it was a significant overlap in symptoms and that a low histamine diet might help people with gluten sensitivity. So that's a good one. So there's how do you prepare the food? Well, they find that frying, which was not what we really uh, want to do anyway, and grilling increased the histamine levels in foods, whereas boiling had little to no influence and sometimes even might have decreased it. So another reason to get people to stop eating fried foods and start using them more in a steamed fashion. Leftovers can build up histamine as they sit in the refrigerator. So even foods that are not high in histamine to begin with, as they sit in the refrigerator over a few days, they're building up levels of histamine. So somebody with these histamine intolerance symptoms should be avoiding eating leftovers. Eat all the food nice and fresh. There are plenty of lists and we have them on our website for people. You can go search for high histamine foods. And when you do, you ask your person to keep a diary of their food. And if you start to see a trend that they eat a lot of high histamine foods, you encourage them to reduce that and replace those high histamine foods with other foods that are, you know, similar structure, similar nutrient density. So some of the ones that we already mentioned are the aged foods, aged cheeses, aged and processed meats, fermented foods, fermented veggies, even sauerkraut and kimchi can have a lot of that in it. But there's also other vegetables that can be high in histamine that people have to be careful about, like spinach and eggplant, and tomatoes, citrus fruits, and alcohol. Well, I recommend that you get people off of alcohol anyway, but this is an extra good reason to get people to stop doing alcohol. Whenever we reduce these, we can get the symptoms low. But sometimes people have to be way more careful than just reducing. Sometimes they have to like severely reduce or at best eliminate over time. And we often do food elimination diets with people. We say, okay, let's get you off of all these suspect foods, see how you do, and then be off of them for two or three weeks and then start to slowly introduce them. And if you get the symptoms back, then we know that that food is on the no-no list, at least for now, until we build up the gut, until we build up and heal. We really do need to support gut health. We need to have a healthy gut. We need to have a healthy microbiome. We need to support those tight junctions. The leaky gut is an important contributing factor to histamine intolerance. So we really want to help people work on their gut. Once you get them on the low histamine diet and you get them taking some enzymes and foods that help to break down the histamines, then you can heal the leaky gut. And once you do, then you can start slowly introducing those foods to get people to the point where they're tolerating things. Managing stress is super important. That high levels of cortisol will have an effect on the gut and also on the histamine level. So getting people to meditate or do heart math or tap or whatever you can do to get them to manage their stress. People are stressed to the max these days, and that's contributing to a, a plethora of histamine intolerance.
So these are all things like some of the basics that we teach, some of the basics, the core principles, what I refer to as the freedom pillars, get them having fun, get them getting enough sleep, uh, get them cleaning up the environment, cleaning up the diet, having a positive outlook and having mindfulness practice to reduce stress. All of those things are going to contribute. But on top of that, a low histamine diet, some of the enzymes and nutrients that break it down, like the vitamin B6 and the quercetin and the vitamin C, and have a healthy outlook on life. Heal the leaky gut. These are all the things that we want to do anyway. Get them off of alcohol, right? Get them off of the things that damage the gut. And you lead them to a healthier, happier life. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes you need to dig. Sometimes there's just a few little tweaks that you have to make even after all this. I highly recommend that you look into this, you study it. Um, Dr. Ben Lynch has on his website, Seeking Health website, a book. He calls it the Dirty Genes Histamine Workbook. Highly recommend it. You can go out there and we'll put the link in the show notes. Go out there and get that book. It's like $7.95, right? $7.95. Well worth it. And it helps you to help people work through their process and help them to get their histamine in, in balance. He also has a beautiful chart in there that shows all the different interactions and all the systems that are affected, including the reproductive system, which we don't think of as being affected by histamine. So it's important for you to really look at the person as a whole, really get your skills up in terms of functional approaches, because the medication approaches don't really work. They provide temporary relief, absolutely, and sometimes people need those to just get through it. But you've got to be looking for the root cause, just like everything else. So I encourage you to do that. Head on over to our uh, website, theinemethod.com, to find out more. Check the show notes pages for resources related to histamine and just overall getting the foundations balanced. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.